0: This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the inspirational, informational, and transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. You know, one of the exciting and consistently changing jobs in the airline industry is the job of revenue manager. It's a mystery to many how the airlines set their pricing. You know, to maximize revenue in an airline, a group of individuals at the airline who use various analytics to predict customer behavior are in this little room of smart people with a big crystal ball and well, actually, I'm kind of kidding, you know, but that's not far off from what the revenue managers do. They figure out the pricing at the end of the day uh and throughout the year, and it's really a fascinating field. The field of revenue management truly is not just a a skill but an art uh, today, I have with me Matt Haft, a former revenue manager for a new York based airline, to discuss his job and how to qualify for a revenue management position, but before we uh start talking with Matt a couple of announcements. Uh, first of all, the, uh, the scholarships guide has been updated. Uh, you can go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships and find out there. And also we are adding more to our courses. So to find out more, both on the free courses that you can get and also those courses that you can pay for and our coaching, it's all out there at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses. Well, Matt, welcome to the podcast, and I know that you are in a uh, in an area that I love, and that's up in the uh, New Jersey area today.
1: Hi, Carl. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's such a p- pleasure to be on your show. You know, I've listened to so many of your episodes, and uh, just to be a guest on your show is really incredible. I never imagined.
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. You know, Matt, You know, when you contacted me, and said you did revenue management for an airline. I know you listen... Uh, primarily, I guess, to the other podcast, uh, Stuck Mike Avcast, about general aviation. Um, but uh, I was like, wow, this is some- we haven't had a revenue manager on in years. Uh, so this is really cool to talk about this and talk about what the field is. And, uh, you know, we've been focusing so much on airline pilots right now because of the fact that there is sh- such a shortage. Um, we've never really been able to focus on the other jobs that are out there. We're trying to change that. And, and with Matt, that's what we're doing here right now. Uh, Matt's a pretty smart guy. He's got at uh, a few degrees and he uh, also is one of those people I joked about who are in that, that dark room with the crystal ball trying to figure out, uh, one of the smart people trying to figure out what the, the pricing is from, from day to day. So Matt, you know why, why is it that my, my air furs are so high and they're so different than the person sitting next to me?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I think it all boils down to basic economics. You know, it happens to be a little bit of a sophisticated art. You know, there's art and a science to it, but basically supply and demand... Um, is what it comes down to and and it's it's essentially a commodity you know each seat on the airplane you know is a basically the same product you know within each respective class so in the economy class um, each seat is basically the same and then the premium class each seat's about the same and then the first class each seat's about the same except for you know the people that have preferences on window seat or or aisle seat yet the the airlines haven't figured out how to capitalize yet on on charging different prices for an aisle seat and a window seat but Um, The reason the price is so high is because supply and, and demand, you know, drive the price. So when we're looking for a flight, let's say, you know, six months before departure, there's probably not a lot of seats that have been sold. So there's a lot of seats left. So the prices will generally be a little bit lower. But as that demand shrinks... And Sorry, excuse me. As that supply shrinks and, and the number of seats on the airplane are actually diminishing, getting down to zero, then you can almost auction off, the airlines almost auction off the, fl- the price of the flight for about as high as they can get, it's about as high as someone's willing to pay. And it happens to be that, you know, closer into departure, you know, it, one, one thing to mention also, the technical term for this type of product, the airline industry, is that it's a perishable good, which means it has an expiration date, essentially. You know, just like your your groceries at the grocery store, once the, once the wheels lift off, once that airplane's up in the air, the, 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 the unsold seats basically disappear, you know, into outer space, so to speak.
0: So that's like and, the uh, unsold fruit in the grocery store. You got to throw exactly. it away. Exactly exactly yeah. it, gotcha. it goes
1: bad and it, you know and, and then there's no use for it no one wants it it you know goes goes in the trash you can't can't sell it anymore so um so so as those seats are getting closer to departure now the thing is the more lucrative seats happen to be those ones that are just before departure so that's where the business travelers happen to travel because they don't know where their next business meeting is going to be they don't know when it's going to be or where it's going to be and usually they find out and figure out their business schedule about a week or two in advance and so the airlines know that and uh and it happens to be business travelers are usually going for you know some big deal or big contract and, you know, what's a few hundred dollars for a flight? They're, you know, probably swiping a company credit card or whatnot. And, uh, you know, the price doesn't matter to them. They're not as price sensitive. Um, but your, your leisure traveler, um, your family traveler, usually they're planning their flights a couple months in advance. And they're more price sensitive, so they're going to shop around. They're less desperate. Um, they could change their plans. They could go to a different destination or, or whatnot. Um so you see different dynamics there uh, between uh, de- supply and demand at different stages of the, of the, of the selling process for, for selling a flight.
0: So that's something that you can somewhat figure out through, through metrics and all, but you also need, uh, you kind of got to figure out people's behavior, don't you? Uh, that you can do through metrics, but also uh, just in life in general, there's, things change, don't they?
1: yes they do and it's a great question i mean you know we see a lot of very interesting patterns and i think you know the one of the most exciting parts about the job for me is is being able to see a story behind the numbers and you know i think a lot of people talk about numbers and math and they get a little scared of it and you know honestly a lot of math is really simple basic math you know and it's just done over and over again um so we kind of, you know, take data and we just kind of rearrange it and kind of try to understand it. And we could see stories. And I'll just give you a couple quick examples. You know, there happens to be uh, quite a, a pattern between people living in the northeast, kind of uh, snowbirds, as they call it, and uh, kind of migrate to the south, to Florida or, or South Carolina, North Carolina, during during the fall, you know, as, as winter is approaching, you know, around October, November, December time. And they're usually one-way tickets, you know, and it's just kind of interesting, you know, why are all of a sudden all these one-way tickets being purchased to go down south, and then all of a sudden around March time, April time, you see a lot of one-way tickets coming back up to the north, and um, so it kind of seems unexplainable. But when you think about it, you know, people might own a couple homes; they might have a home up up in the Northeast, and then a home down, you know, in Florida or something like that, and um, we just see these patterns of of behavior, and you know. It's funny because if people are going one way from, from the northeast down to, this, down to the south area, south of the United States in uh, October, November, well, the plane's pretty much going empty back up north because um, you know, that plane does a round trip. It goes down south and then comes right back. Um, and, uh, so it's trying to price the price, the the price of the flight appropriately. It's, it's very interesting and and you'll see a vast disparity between the price of the flight, the same airplane, it's just flying down from New York or, or Boston or, or some other place in the Northeast down to Florida. And then, and then the flight, the price of the flight going back up is much cheaper. It's much different.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because it's kind of like supply and demand on the one way, you know, it's not the whole airplane, you got to go there and back again. But you still got to fly the plane, you can't just leave it in Florida, you know, you got to go back up. (laughs) Not not like the snowbird that's there, they have to go back up and pick more passengers up. So that's a great way uh, to understand the fares. And also, uh, interestingly, like you said, with behavior, The things can change, uh, and this is something that has always fascinated me, is you pretty much know that the snowbirds are going to go, say, to Florida in the winter and back up when it warms up. But the one thing you don't know is the weather. What if like, we have a a really cold winter or something like that? People are going to stay south longer. Is that another reason maybe they buy a a one-way ticket?
1: Yeah, that's definitely a good reason. I think uh, you know, I think I think there's a variety of different reasons. The weather definitely being um, being one of them. Um, you know, these these travelers you know have different schedules, and a lot of them might even be retired and have flexible schedules. Um, and sometimes they'll even buy round trip tickets in the middle of the winter. You'll see we'll see a bunch of round trip tickets. Let's say from Florida back up to the Northeast um for, for the holidays or something and then back down just for a quick little weekend trip. But they're same same passenger name, same, same, you know, zip code or you know, there's different information we could kind of uh, you know pull data from and it happens to be the same customers, let's say, you know, on their loyalty on their loyalty card happen to be buying their one-way ticket down to Florida for the for the extended winter period. But then uh, booking round-trip tickets back to the north, you know, for maybe holidays or something like that. Um, Yeah, weather and holidays, and there's a lot of, you know, different variables that kind of go into the equation.
0: And you can figure a lot of this out from past behavior, but the thing is, you know, it's like that doesn't mean there's going to be future behavior that way. Uh, You don't know what might happen and change things. Uh, So I'm assuming that – I know you have models, but those models uh, must change – and sometimes I'm thinking maybe ever so often, dramatically.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question, and I and I think you know, that that put that nails it on the head. It's exactly the reason why such a job exists as revenue manager. You know, sometimes we joke about our job is to put ourselves out of a job, and uh, you know, train these computers to price these flights so well that you know there's no need for human input. But it happens to be time and again, time and again. You know, there's there's unpredictable scenarios. Um, you know, even just let's take sports, for example, for all the sports fans out there, um, you know, World Series, Super Bowl, you know, don't know what the teams are going to be. Don't know where the where the you know, the team base, the fan base is going to travel from and travel to. You know, if you got the you know New York Giants against the Houston Texans or, or whatnot in the Super Bowl, then you're going to have a lot of traffic between New York and Houston um, or it depends where the Super Bowl is located. So you just we there's just no way to know exactly where the demand is coming from, where it's going to go until, until you know, really things unfold, you know, the weather, the, the sports teams, you know, the variety of different elements that are involved in revenue management.
0: So that's where it becomes more of an art, you know, than just a science. And uh, and also, one of the things that I think a, a revenue manager should have, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you really have to have both a, a good feel of the economy, but also every, life in general and news. I mean, you could see certain patterns of things uh, happening in the future that maybe somebody else doesn't. Maybe there's a holiday or a special event that you found out about at a destination uh, that nobody's really brought up, and it's like, hey, wait a minute, we could maybe, you know, cash in on this by increasing our, our frequency, increasing our, actually, prices on that destination. I, I'm assuming that's something that you, you would agree with.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of different events out there that are just, you know, kind of fly under the radar, so to speak, and um, until someone finds out about it or hears about it, you know, for example, there's a conference in New Jersey where, um, it's, uh, it's usually around November time or so, and, you know, all the airlines around, around the New York area, New, Newark especially, you know, raise their prices because they know it's a holiday weekend. There's a New Jersey teachers' conference, and, and kids are out of school for a couple days, you know, usually the first or second week in November. And uh, you, could, you could look online and Google it, and you'll see, you know, the prices are higher for some reason. Even if you don't live in New Jersey, you'll see it, and you'll be like, what? That's interesting. You know, unless no, someone's ever heard of it, they, we, we didn't know about it at the airlines until one day we just realized, hey, why is, somebody, why is our flight selling out? And maybe our prices are too low, and so we just kind of raise our prices. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's because the prices went, you know, because we sold seats and didn't know why. And prices, you know, there's automated re- automated uh, algorithms that kind of raise the price automatically if the flights are selling too many seats too quickly. But you know, we'll see that and be like, hey, why is this automation, you know, raising the price here, you know, so quickly, so fast? And and we'll kind of have to go dig in and and try to figure out, hey, is there a, is there a political thing going on? Is there a, is there a, a um, you know some type of event that we didn't know about and uh and you know kind of figure it out that way um but yeah absolutely there's a lot of events and you know until we know about it you know it's it's uh it's you know it's there for the for the for the passengers you know discount so to speak you know
0: so now that we've actually looked at this and realized that this is not a job that we see going away, you know, it's, it is such a dynamic environment. So there's, you've made me comfortable thinking, yeah, this would be a job that I would actually tell people it would be a, a good job to go into. That's similar to with the flying. I always tell people they're like, well, we can automate the pilots out of the out of the cockpit, but. You don't realize how dynamic that is, and how things change so much. Because you know we're in the in the cockpit really for for not just for making decisions, but for all the unknowns that happen. And there's a lot of unknowns even during one flight. Uh, so I I'd say this revenue management job's going to be around for a long time. Not only that, because you're you're very key to the revenue well, revenue management. You're key to the money that the airline makes. Because if you make a mistake, you can make or break that flight, couldn't you?
1: Absolutely, I, I think there's no single department, no single position that has a greater impact on the top line of a company. Now, it happens to be revenue. It's not the whole picture. You know, right. there's costs and there's there's expenses, and as they call it in the airline industry, chasm. You know, cost per available seat mile. Um, so, RASM and chasm. RASM being revenue per available seat mile, and chasm being cost per available seat mile. Um, there's there's you know there's really no greater impact because cost is a is a a is a is a, is a, is a wide-ranging net wide-reaching net of a lot of different moving parts to try to keep cost down you know preventing aircraft damages preventing diversions um, you know uh, you know get, get, getting fuel hedging fuel you know and and just you know pilot contracts and flight attendant contracts Contracts and the whole bit. So there's a ton of moving parts there. But from a revenue point of view, it's basically the website and uh, and you know the agencies. There's some travel agencies that sell 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 flights for, for the airline. Um, also, the online travel agencies like you know uh, you know the ones the online travel agencies, I won't say any names, but you know those those places are are streams of revenue for the airline. And basically, it's pretty it's pretty concentrated in those streams. And and the impact of the pricing of the flights are basically you know the the main driver of the revenue. Um. Of course, there's all the, you know, the new fees coming out nowadays. You know, ch- charging for check baggage and even you know carry-on baggage now, uh, in some airlines. Um, but uh, but absolutely, yeah. The revenue has a very direct impact on the company's success, and uh, and and a mistake, a little mistake, could be could be uh, could be a big problem.
0: Yeah, I could imagine. I mean, uh, and the other thing we haven't even talked about is how about the competition? I mean, then you got to start, and not only just other airlines, but other modes of transportation. There's the, there and Then you have to put that in the mix of the whole thing. It'd be great if there's no other airlines out there, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be it would be quite awesome. But you know, look, I, I I like to come. I like to approach this. You know, not not exclusively from the point of the airline, but let's talk about it from the economy as a whole. And you know, if we overprice flights and we squeeze every dollar out of every passenger, then you know, people aren't aren't going to have a pleasant experience traveling. And I think you know, you kind of want to look at the customer lifetime value. Um, um, which sometimes abbreviated CLV, you know, if you charge too much now, squeeze every dollar out of them now, they might not fly again. And they are going to look for those other modes of transportation, whether it be a train or a car or, or just kind of do a staycation, as they call it, you know, stay local. Um, but, you know, you want to look at the at the greater good. And, and uh, sometimes the reason why we raise fares for, for certain flights is because there's business travel that needs to get where they need to go. And if we sell all the seats, you know, three weeks or four weeks, you know, at least three three or four weeks before departure, that doesn't give any seats left for the business traveler that wants to go. So sometimes it's a little, uh, a little frustrating if, you know, if you're a consumer, you're a traveler, you want to book a ticket and you see, hey, these prices are kind of high. Well, it could be that, you know, we're, we're running low on seats and, and kind of need to save a few for those business travelers, you know, which benefits, I guess, society at large, you know, the business travelers are keeping the businesses moving and everything and, and uh, saving a few seats for them kind of helps, uh, helps get them where they need to go.
0: So one of the things I've listened to you talking about is, is the revenue and, and the competition and the seats, et cetera. Uh, it seems like the airlines in general, and this is kind of a comment on the industry, they seem to have gotten better on pricing and have realized that uh, giving all the tickets away to, uh, doesn't work. You know, if you're losing money, you don't increase volume, you have to change something else. Uh, do you think that's true, that, that we've gotten a lot better at revenue management and the pricing of our product?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's that's another great point. I mean, just one great point after another. Um, You know, back when airlines, back in, I think it was 1970s, I think it was, airlines were were regulated by the government to have to have fixed pricing, basically, for every single one of their seats, and it was just a flat price, Um, so eventually that got deregulated, and, you know, the invention... Uh, by American Airlines, I believe it was. They uh, they created what's called revenue management or yield management, as as it's known today, and that's basically you know optimizing the right price, selling the you know selling the right the, the right seat to the right customer at the right price, um, and that's a very dynamic thing. It's not it's not static. It's not fixed. You know it changes frequently. It changes daily even.
0: That sounds you know though that sounds really kind of cool it sounds pretty exciting to me i mean you're sitting there it's a it's a constantly moving target and it sounds like something that if you are somebody that loves a challenge intellectually uh something cool to get into uh is revenue management but you know, we've talked about the technical side of things and we could go on and on about the technical side, like <laughs> talking about, you know, rasms and fairs and chasms and uh, you know how all that works and, and believe me, there's a lot of other terms in the industry we could we could speak on there. Right, right. The the thing well, is so if I
1: could share one more thing oh, yeah, actually. Yeah, I, yeah, please. It would would be quite interesting. I think, you know, this is just a big learning that I had. And, and, um, you know, a lot of times people think things are scientific. And even though we have so much data behind us, you know, helping us make these decisions, at the end of the day, the price of a ticket that we sell is kind of like, you know, the price of a house. You know, it's like how much is somebody willing to pay? Mm -hmm. And if someone's willing to pay, you know, a large... uh, you know, a higher price, then they'll pay a higher price. If no one's willing to buy at that price, then you, you got to lower the price. And and I think the interesting thing about revenue management is that it's almost separated from the cost side of the business. You know, um, it, almost like, you know, on Wall Street, they kind of have like this Chinese wall type of thing where, you know, the traders and the, and the and the sales, you know, salespeople don't really speak because of conflict of interest. Well, as a revenue manager, we... we we, we're not really supposed to know what the costs are because if we knew what the costs were then you know when 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 we when we're beating the costs then we're going to kind of relax our relax our our, our our muscles a bit and and kind of just sell prices at a lower rate um, and on the flip side you know when 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 costs are going up we're going to try to overcharge and try to raise the price higher than it really than the economy really can handle and And I think there's a middle team kind of in the middle of those two called the network planning team, you know, just a little plug for them. Their job is to kind of see, hey, we're flying this route three times a day, or we're flying this route, you know, five times a day with this kind of aircraft and this many seats. Well, is that the right aircraft and the right number of seats to be going to that destination? You know, the cost? of the pilots and the cost of sending that type of airplane over there, you know, costs us this much. And you know what? The more seats we throw there, there's not more customers that want to travel. So maybe, you know, they got to match the right demand, the right supply with the right demand. And their job is to say, hey, this is how much revenue we're getting over here. This is how much it costs to fly those flights. And and this is the profit we're going to make if we fly this route two times a day or 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 whatnot and 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 as, and as a revenue manager our job is just you know just focus on the revenue try to understand the the economy and the demographics and uh and and set the prices accordingly and sometimes you're going to lose money sometimes you'll make money um, but overall i think uh, airlines are doing all right right now
0: so that that's a great e- example but you know how does an airline determine a new route i mean is that i know there's a network planners but i'm assuming they'd have to bring you into the conversation at some point
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great question. And and I think, you know, the network planners, the, the difference between revenue management and network planners, they have very similar mindsets. But network planners are thinking usually like a year out and beyond. You know, what's the five-year plan? What's the 10-year plan? Um, you know, what, what, where, where, where are large corporations shifting their, their headquarters, you know? Amazon if I'm allowed to mention different companies they they're having a big uh, you know conversation now about where is their headquarters their second headquarters going to be and uh, Boeing moved their headquarters you know a bunch of years back and these kind of things you know make shifts in in, in demand and in travel in jobs and um, and so airlines look at that kind of stuff um, whereas re- revenue you know network planning team is really focused on that and I think revenue managers are more dealing with the short term you know the the now from today from departures that are leaving today up to about six months from now and kind of just, you know, the flights, the schedules are already loaded. Customers can see it on the website. You know, you can't really make changes. They're also going to upset the customers that already booked their seats and, you know, they're going to their, you know, child's graduation or whatnot and they kind of have their seat booked in advance. So we don't really want to move them around from their their pre-booked flights already. Um, But, yeah, the the revenue manager is more looking at that short term, you know, from now to about six months
0: out. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, would somebody with the skills of a revenue manager possibly go into those other fields like network planning, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I think, I think revenue management is a great feeder, and it's a great entry point into into any airline. And you know, since we're here on the uh, you know aviation career podcast, this is this this is definitely one of the entry points for an airline. It gives a great background and a great understanding as to how how an airline operates. Um, especially from the corporate point of view, you know airplanes and sizes of airplanes and what the costs are, what the revenue is, how the how the dynamics work between uh, you know the, the the traveling public and and the airlines, you know the constraints and the and, and and all the different variables that go into it.
0: So with somebody who's a revenue manager, they can go into network uh, planning. what What other jobs do you think would be available to somebody with that type of a background? Would they go into some other fields within the airline?
1: Yeah, surprisingly, people can go—you know—pretty much anywhere within the within the company. I mean, I've seen people, you know, go to let's say like a marketing team uh, where they're doing brand and advertising and stuff like that, and uh, and 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 they they use their data knowledge and their understanding of consumer behavior and demographics, and that kind of you know helps them in their new background. You know, helps them with the background in their new role in marketing. I've seen people go onto the product side where they're dealing with. Uh, uh, you know the the food and the snacks, um, and uh, business class and first class and all that. And I've seen people go. Of course, network planning is a huge, uh, huge transition point. And we've even seen people go onto like a finance role. You know, corporate finance, um, or even you know uh, on the fuel fuel trading desk where they they're they're buying they're hedging fuel, and they just have a good understanding of you know what flights are going where and what size aircraft is going where and you know where should we be hedging fuel. and 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 all that and uh, it really feeds in very well to the rest of the airline
0: well that sounds like a real good jumping off point there for the revenue management so one of the things into all these other jobs so if i wanted to get a job as a revenue manager um i'd have to have certain qualifications so uh what what is i mean where do i go to school to become a revenue manager i guess is a good way to to ask that question (laughs)
1: Well, I'll tell you one one time we did a survey in one of our team meetings and just kind of did a special show of hands how many people had degrees from what what subject. and uh, and the majority, the beyond the vast majority of people had an economics degree. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone did, and it doesn't mean you have to have one to get into such a role. But economics happened to be the you know the vast majority of of the type of study. That was required for you know to be successful in a role in revenue management. But we saw people you know I, I've had coworkers who came with a degree for, in history or political science. Uh, I've seen people with an English background and you know video production and who knows you know it, it pretty you know pretty much across the board. Um, but I think the economics, the statistics, definitely um, that kind of background is very strong you know help, helpful uh, skill set to bring to to the team to such a role.
0: So, with somebody say like a has a video production background uh may be someone who studies maybe not formally economics and math, they could possibly be a fit here, just like you said
1: correct yeah. that is correct
0: okay so and so don't don't discount your your degree if this is something what you want to get into. you already have a degree, but if it's something you're interested in, now you have to prove to that airline that that you actually can qualify for this how do you how do you go about that that's that's going to be difficult.
1: Well, I think, I think, you know, as, as with most interviews, you know, people kind of want to hear the story, you know, like what's a story and, and when people have a passion for what they, what they want to do, I think that speaks loudly. And so anyone out there who, who really is interested in aviation, interested in maybe the corporate side of aviation, um, there's, there's, there's no, no, nothing holding you back. I mean, there's no reason why not to try. And, uh, and you know, I, I, myself, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm not I'm not fully capable of you know a lot of things, but I'm passionate about the airline industry, and that's kind of what I spoke about in my interview and just told them how much I like airplanes and I thought it would be so cool to work for an airline, and uh, and they they liked the story and uh, and um, you know I had an economics degree so that was a little bit of a help, but again you know it, just being passionate and being interested and you know being humble and hardworking, those qualities really show and they really really carry a long way.
0: So if you're a a, a revenue manager—that's like a regular type of job, meaning that uh, it's more like a nine-to-five type of job, or, or or how many hours do you work? I guess I should ask.
1: Yeah, that's correct. You know, it's it's pretty much a, a standard, you know, office job, corporate America job, nine to five. I think you know, um, nine thirty to you know six or so is kind of kind of the average, actually. You know, but it, it ebbs and it flows. You know, there are times where uh, you know, gotta stay late and finish a project and stay until 10 o'clock at night or whatnot. Uh, um, but then uh, there's also times where there's uh, team outings or or uh, or team trips where you jump on an airplane and fly somewhere as a team and ha- have a good time. Uh, Speaking of those so,
0: jumping yeah. on an airplane, that as a working for an airline, you get the same benefits, right, as everybody else as far as travel is concerned.
1: That's correct. That is correct. As uh, as as a corporate employee, the the travel benefits are just about the same. I mean, there's no jump seating, as far as I know, across most uh, most air most airlines uh, in the United States for for corporate employees. But for flight attendants and and pilots, of course, there is respective jump seating. I think flight attendants in their in the in the, in the cabin, and, and pilots can jump seat in the cockpit. Um, but the um, uh, the corporate employees can just get non Rev travel, which is basically non revenue. They they take an empty standby seat um, if it's if it's not if it's not if it's going on flown. Uh, but of course they can't can't, you know, displace a paying customer for um, uh, you know, for, 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 for a for a for a non rev for a corporate employee. You can't really displace a, a paying customer. Right. But yeah, there's plenty plenty of open flights out there and you know, there's always places to go and it kind of makes it very fun and exciting. You know, you just kinda show up at the airport with a a backpack or whatnot, and just say, "Hey, where am I going today?" <laughs> yeah,
0: and that is—that's a, a cool part about working in the travel industry in general. Uh, but with the airlines, I mean, you basically—you know—you get up in the morning and say, "Hey, you know, I want to have uh, breakfast in Bonaire, you know, or you know, <laughs> I want to go to Rome and visit my family there this week, and I can just go do that. And it's—it's it's really interesting because when you leave an airline. Uh, and you're currently not working for an airline. That kind of goes away. So I'm sure I'm sure that's kind of sh- shifted your lifestyle a little bit.
1: Yeah, it definitely has. You know, the uh, the uh, that flexibility of just you know showing up at the airport and going somewhere is definitely a, a huge perk and very very enjoyable. In fact, some of my coworkers and I used to joke about what our price tag would be on uh, on on you know such a benefit. And uh, you know, definitely in the thousands, I won't share what I what I think unless you think it's safe to share, but Sure. You know, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think I think my coworker and I were kind of uh, arguing between thirty thousand and fifty thousand dollars, you know, which is you know, that's 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 a nice sizable amount of money, you know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I was telling him I think, you know, boost my pay about thirty thousand. He's like, Well, I fly a lot, you know, I go all around the world, international and everything. To me it's probably worth about fifty thousand, you know. And uh so we uh we kinda you know, let it at that. But, you know, it's just an interesting conversation to have.
0: So let's talk a little more about, you know, you you talk about that benefit. That brings up another interesting thing as far as uh, salaries are concerned. Uh, Airlines, because they know that that is a benefit, maybe they kind of put that into the mix as far as pay is concerned. Revenue managers in general, uh, like at the airline you used to work for, do you know what kind of a range uh, they'll make pay wise?
1: Yeah, I think I think most people, um, you know, they, they have a they have a stream, they have a flow. Usually, people join as interns while they're in college, and they're getting paid, um, you know, maybe uh, thirty-five or forty thousand dollars a year or something like that. But you know, that's intern. It might even be part-time. Um, it might even be hourly. I'm not sure. And broken down, you know, into about a thirty thousand, forty thousand dollar a year career. But then, as they kind of streamline into the into the into the main workforce, full-time workforce for the airline. Um, usually it ranges from about fifty thousand to about seventy thousand, um depending on the position. And of course, with career growth, you know comes more opportunity and promotions and and uh, and bonuses and profit sharing, and you know the whole bit. Um, it can kind of you know creep up closer to about six figures. Um but I think it would be safe to say not, not to expect six figures, you know, in, in the beginning, you know, kind of uh, you know take it as a learning opportunity and try to learn as much as you can, because there's so much to learn. And, uh, you know, it's just it's a very fascinating, uh, fascinating field to work in.
0: Yeah, it does it sounds like it I mean I, I think it, I think it's really, really cool. It's something that I would love to do you know I, I love doing this, but it's just I think it's just fascinating the pricing things um, But if I'm somebody that's actually looking towards this as, as a career, like you said, maybe lean towards the economics statistics and the math and your background possibly if I'm a, in high school right now and trying to make a decision that would be a great way to go if I'm already out of college it, it just makes sure that you kind of bone up on all that and and have an interest in in math et cetera. But uh, how do you find out about these type of jobs? And, and you know, you talked a little bit about interviewing, but, you know, where do you find the, the job and how do you get them?
1: Yeah, that's that that's a great question. And I think, you know, most airlines have have their jobs posted on their website. So, you know, they have a, a place where you can, you know, do a job search on their website and just kind of see. And, and if you kind of keep keep up to date and check in on it, you know, every once every, let's say, you know, month or something like that. You'll see there there are postings that come up uh, from time to time. Of course, if you're not actively looking for a job right now, let's say you're a freshman in college or something like that, hey, that's that's still a good, a good reason to check it at least once, not once a month, but once, you know, once a year or whatnot, just to see what kind of, what the job description is. And, you know, they'll say on there what the recommended uh, college uh, major is for that position and you know, depends whether it's you know the marketing side or the brand side or or, or the revenue management side like i'm coming from um but that uh, that that's definitely posted on the website and other than that you know networking is also you know of course as, as as most people know and if they don't know they'll probably find out networking is is a strong point for finding jobs and um i actually found found my job with the airline kind of through a combination of the two actually i i saw the i saw the position on the website and uh, thought about applying and then i just looked on linkedin and just kind of saw if i had any friends or or connections that were kind of connected to the airline and and i actually did i had a friend a friend of a friend who was connected so i asked my friend if he can introduce me and uh, we did we went for a cup of coffee and he kind of shared me a little backstory on the position and i had to then apply through the website because you know he didn't know me well enough to vouch for me but he said hey put your resume through the website and uh and we'll see if we can get you an interview and, uh, and, you know, the rest is history. Then, 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 then the responsibility fell on me to actually interview well and, 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 know, and know what I'm talking about and really be, be that kind of candidate for them that they're looking for.
0: So if you wanted to know more about the terms we talked about in the beginning, there's lots of airline terms, um, I always suggest people read trade magazines. Um, I'm wondering if, if you'd agree with that and also if you have any other suggestions.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Um, and it's funny you say that because, you know, something's popping in my mind right now, which actually is very helpful, and I think listening to an earnings call, you know, pick whichever airline's your favorite one in the United States, you know, I don't know how the international ones work, but, you know, pick one of them and, uh, and listen to one of the earnings calls. They're usually about an hour long, and they come out once every quarter. Um, usually in the month after the close of a quarter so quarter one is January through March and then usually in April sometime will be the earnings call and the same things goes for quarter two three and four and if you listen to one of those you'll hear a lot of talk and everything and they even have sometimes at the bottom they'll have a little uh, notes sheet that kind of says hey here's here's uh, an explanation of what we spoke about today here's what this term means and here's what that term means and um, a ton of information to glean from 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 uh, from the earnings call and along with the earnings call is the uh is the financial sheets which is basically the um you know the earnings report and stuff like that and i know these terms sound overwhelming and believe me they i was scared by hearing earnings report and and uh and income statement and balance sheet and cash flow statement and all that stuff but you know what i'll be honest it even scares me a little today because it just uh you know there's just so much in it and um, but but at the same time, you got to start somewhere, and I think uh, um, you know even if you don't understand everything, that's that's totally fine. You know, just try to pick up as much as you can, and, and it's a learning process. You know, we just learn along the way as much as as much as we can.
0: So that advice about listening to earnings calls, by the way, I think is good advice in general when you're looking at a job with any company. Uh, you can learn so much at an earnings call because mm-hmm. analysts bring up some really good points, don't they, during mm-hmm. those interviews.
1: Absolutely, they really put the put the executive team on, under fire and really, you know, really kind of, you know, grill them, so to speak. Um, and and I think that's a great thing, you know, because it kind of keeps keeps the company honest, you know, keeps the company working toward their goals. And um, and uh, you know, that's that's the executive team's job is to, is to make sure the company's going in the right direction. And and um, and there's and you can get so much of that direction just listening to the earnings call. Where's this airline headed? You know, are they thinking about you know, increasing their transatlantic and trans-Pacific flying? Are they increasing their their South America flying? You know, increase their uh, domestic flying? And what kind of airplanes are they planning on bringing into the fleet? And, you know, who knows? There's just a variety of different things going on. And they usually do a pretty good job of making it pretty comprehensive and covering, you know, quite an array of topics.
0: One of the easy ways to find out all that information is most of the, the airline websites will have an investor section. And uh, you can just, you know, I sign up for the emails a lot of times. And uh, they'll just send you updates saying, "Hey, by the way, we have an earnings call, and you can go online and listen to it." Uh, they made it so easy, you know, just to listen to all that. It's it's really really cool. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, Matt, we're, we're coming up towards the end of the show, and I just wanted to say this, this has been terrific. There's a ton of information here, and we're going to have a lot of people ask questions. But I wanted to talk a little bit about you uh, before we close up. I mean, you, you sound like you, you love aviation, You're, uh, and I know you've left the airlines, and I know this is uh, something people are going to ask. You know, what, do you, what are you doing now, and, uh, and why, and how did you get so interested in aviation?
1: Well, I'll tell you, you know, I kind of joined the corporate track there after college, and that was kind of a dream of mine was to really be in corporate America and everything. And I was doing a great job and, you know, loving every bit of it. But, you know, I had a couple friends who actually started a business uh, about four years ago, and uh, I won't say the name of it just for confidentiality, but they they started doing all right, you know, successful and everything, and they kind of needed a financial analyst to come on board and I was quite hesitant to come, you know, to leave, you know, such a such a great company, great, great, you know, great airline, great position, really doing exactly it's I mean, economics I'm sorry, revenue management is such a great application of economics. I mean you really you really can't can't beat that. I mean it takes exactly what I studied in college and applies it to real world scenarios. Um, but it happens to be this, you know, these friends of mine needed me to do something quite similar, but in the en- energy industry. Um, so gas and oil and uh and uh, electricity and all sorts of energy and stuff like that and uh you know kind of stay a little bit close to the airlines because you know I'm dealing with energy and stuff and there's there's definitely hedging and ebbs and flows and things that are kind of related um but yeah I you know I decided to take the jump and help my friends out and you know of course you know we're working for a large company you know there's uh there's a lot of perks and stuff like that, but at the same time, there's also a lot of structure to it, um, which limits, you know, let's say career growth or or uh, or financial compensation, you know, because things have to get passed and approved and all sorts of stuff. And so my friends, you know, really offered me a, an offer I couldn't refuse, and uh, so so I said, all right, you know, if you guys really want me, you know, I'll I'll, I'll do it. And I tried working something out with them where I'd work actually part time for them, like on the weekends, but they said no, we kind of want you full time. And you know, I'm actually pretty happy where I am now. And uh, but I I, uh, I loved uh, you know I really like helping out some friends too, and it kind of gives me a little bit of closer impact to uh, helping helping some friends out.
0: Awesome, and you actually are a pilot too. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, when I was
1: 17, actually, believe it or not, I I got my pilot's license, and uh, a pilot certificate actually is as it's technically called. And uh, I, I, uh, um, I have always had a passion for flying. Never really took it beyond the private private pilot, but have enjoyed recreationally flying, you know, my, my whole adult life. And uh, I'm about 20 29 years old now. So yeah, for the last 12 years, I've enjoyed uh, enjoyed flying, uh, flying Cessnas and Pipers around.
0: Yeah, actually flying out of uh, an old school I used to work for out there in uh, Caldwell Airport uh, so in New Jersey. So one of these days, we'll, we're going to have to go up and go flying and at least hang out at the airport.
1: Oh, that'd be my dream. I'd I'd, I'd love to fly with you. And after hearing all your podcasts and, you know, all all your words of wisdom to the pilots out there, you know, it'd be quite quite a thrill for me to fly with you and definitely would love to do that. Oh,
0: awesome. I guess one of our next meetups will have to be up in New Jersey then, in the Caldwell <laughs> area. I know, I know that they, they don't have that restaurant there on the airport, so we'll have to figure something else out. Um, but uh, what was it? I forgot what it's called—the Aero Squadron or something—down there. But uh, right. but there's a lot of really cool places to fly in in New Jersey. I, I thought it was one of the the better states to actually fly in because there were so many concentrations, so many and so many cool airports to go into. A lot, a lot of fun. Um, as far yeah, some
1: pretty high-profile airspace too, you know. So it requires oh, yeah. you know being pretty avid. You know, you got three-class bravos all kind of overlapping each other a little bit, and um, even have that Hudson River corridor there where it can kind of fly through the exclusion. And you know, there's just so much going on in that northeast uh, or the tri-state area. It's just it's it's challenging and it's fun at the same time.
0: Yeah, it is. Well, you know, it's been awesome having you on. And Matt, I'm so glad that you reached out to me and said, Hey, listen, I was in revenue management. I want to talk about this. We're, you know, we're going to have some people ask questions. And of course, feedback at com. You can send your questions in, we answer them on the show, but you have a specific question for Matt, if you don't mind, if I could forward those questions on to you, and maybe you could get back to those people.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's actually kind of a hobby and a passion of mine to help help friends out and help people out with their, you know, with their resumes and their career goals and all sorts of stuff. And I kind of do that, you know, on the side just voluntarily, you know. And so, so this would be such a privilege, such an opportunity for me to help out, you know, awesome. whoever wants help in their in their uh, career, especially aviation-related. That's a nice blend of two different passions of mine: aviation and and, and career guidance.
0: Well, cool, and we're gonna we're gonna be watching you see how many the different ratings you get. Who knows? Maybe someday you'll be a flight instructor uh, <laughs> out there. And uh, and now that you're closer to the airport, that's a big bonus, right? That's another reason you change jobs. And yeah. So that's yeah. terrific. Um, but we're we're definitely looking forward to seeing you another thing Matt by the way you did is which was really cool is you sent me some videos and I'm going to share those on the go to the show notes for this episode episode 184 and you did some great or I should say you found some great videos Uh, one talking about revenue management there was a really funny one by CNN uh the science behind airfare pricing. I love the commentary on that. You got it. it I was like laughing almost through the whole thing. Uh and, and I love the well buckets. Oh it was oh absolutely wonderful job there. And uh, another, Wendover Productions, does some amazing videos. Uh, they did one on how airlines price flights. As a matter of fact, if you look at the end of that video last 10 minutes, you might recognize the airport there. So that's all I'm going to say there. Uh, but but this has been, Matt, like I said, it has been terrific. Uh, we'd love to have you on again and uh, maybe talk some more about revenue management and some of the other jobs in the corporate world. Uh, but uh, as far as flying is concerned, uh, you know, I hopefully we'll see you out the airport doing some uh, flying in small airplanes.
1: Carl, it's been such a pleasure. I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and share some of my experience and maybe, you know, help a few people along the way. Uh, if you ever, you know, need me back or would like, you know, take, take revenue management to a deeper level, you know, we can always talk a little further on, uh, on any of these subjects. I know we kind of almost just skimmed the surface of, uh, of a lot of these different uh, aspects of revenue management and corporate life in, a, in an airline. So uh, absolutely, you know, let's see what the, what the feedback is. And if people have questions, I'll be happy to answer them.
0: Well, thanks, Matt. And for you listening, one of the things I'd love to do is get your feedback and say, hey, do you want us to delve deeper into some of these subjects? Because there are a lot of really interesting terms. And I think that everybody that's out there uh, should learn these. We talked about the earnings call and understanding the different things like RASM, chasm, and all the other different things like how they set fares, etc. I think it's really important as a pilot, it's important as a mechanic, it's important as an employee of an airline to understand everything you can about who you're working for and what Drives that industry. Uh, make sure, again, like I said, check out the videos. They're really good, the uh, videos Matt gave us awesome stuff. And one thing I I think that's really important is when you're getting into aviation, you find out there's so many passionate people just like Matt. And that's kind of what drives us to this job. It's not just flying. Uh, I know we talk about a lot on this podcast, obviously, but there's so many other cool aspects of aviation and there's so many other jobs out there. And like I said, I'm trying as hard as I can to get other people like like Matt in here to talk about those things, and we'll definitely have Matt on again. Again, if you have questions, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com, and make sure that you, if you're listening right now, after you stop this, watch those videos, do something right now, do something now, today, to move forward in your career and in your life, whether it's in revenue management as a mechanic, a pilot, a flight attendant, anything in the airlines, or in aviation. Do something now to learn more about your career, move forward in your career, and soon you will be where you want to be. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.